Hey everyone, welcome. This is Lucas Granger, lead pastor of Coastal Church. It is our hope that you will find this podcast today challenging, inspiring, and practical as we seek to reach the world with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 30. If you don't have it, it's going to be on the screen this morning. Now, Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It's like, well, it's like a mustard seed that's planted in the ground. And it is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows these long branches, and birds can make their nest in its shade. Now, Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using a parable. But afterwards, he would get alone with his disciples and he would explain everything to them. So here it is. Jesus opens up and he's speaking to this crowd and he poses this question in which it's good to know that Jesus kind of talks to himself a little bit because does anybody in here just kind of get to you're in the zone you kind of talk to yourself what story should I tell like like how can I illustrate it And, and I think what he's saying here is like listen I'm getting ready to try to explain the unexplainable I'm going to talk to y'all about the kingdom of God, and I need a story. I need an illustration. I need something to let you know that it's not this thing, but it's like this thing. And I want you to understand, I want your eyes and your heart to be open to the beauty of all that God has to offer you. So when I talk about the kingdom, Jesus is saying, listen, when I start talking about the kingdom, I want you to understand, I'm talking about this is what you were made for. Like from the very beginning, everything was good and it was perfect. And, and when I put you in that garden and I said, be fruitful and multiply, man, it was, it was set up for you. And like this kingdom of God like has invaded earth. And like I want to show you what it's like. I want to show you what you're made for. There is this, uh, the, the audience that day in which Jesus would be speaking to would, would be uh, a diverse, diverse crowd. Um, Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and tax collectors, Uh, but it didn't matter what job you had, because if you lived back then, for the most part, uh, everybody kind of was a farmer in one way or the other. Like, there was was no Walmart, so like, if you got hungry, there's no, hey, we're going to run down the store and we're going to grab some extra eggs. Like, if you ain't had no chickens, you ain't got no eggs, Right? I mean, that's just the way it was. And like you you farmed ground and you tilled soil and you planted seeds because like you wanted a crop, right? Because like your family depends on, man, I I hope that the ground yields its fruit this year. I hope that all these seeds that I've planted in faith, I hope that they yield its fruit because I'm going to get hungry real quick. Um, A few years ago, me and my wife decided, uh, well, I think, maybe, I don't know if we decided, I decided, and then she went, she went along with me. She was gracious. I said, hey, honey, you know, it's the cool thing. Everybody's all organic-y, um, but I ain't paying those prices. So why don't we try to grow our own garden? My dad's got skills. My dad can grow. He goes to Lowe's, and he gets all that stuff that's like marked down 90%, and it's dead. 
I mean, it just looks like dead flowers and dead stuff. And it, the man resurrects the dead. Resurrection power. Like, if you need some prayer, my dad, he, boom. Like, I have the opposite. I go, I buy the healthiest plant they got, and I will kill that mug. So I'm like, hey, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna try this thing. We are going to plant some garden. We're going to be able to share some stuff with our neighbors. We're going to give all these fruits and vegetables. I'm going to use sermon illustrations about the goodness of God and how, like, when you plant, and it's going to be the biggest uh, uh, cantaloupe or whatever. I don't even know what we planted. Uh, it wasn't cantaloupe. Uh, what did we plant? Uh, zucchini. We planted some zucchini. Come on, somebody. And... Uh, that whole plan didn't work out. I learned real quick that I just didn't have that anointing except for tomatoes. So I could grow you some tomatoes. You want some tomatoes? Come over to Lucas's house, which come to find out later, our soil is like highly acidic, and so tomatoes thrive in that soil. Like, okay, good to know now. Um, but I thought, like, like if, if my family depended on this, What's for dinner? Tomato soup. <laughs> What's for lunch, Dad? Tomato sandwich. <laughs> What's for breakfast? You better figure out something to do with that tomato. Because that's all we're going to eat at the house. Like, like, if you were a farmer and you were there, and like, Jesus has used all of these parables. He often uses like, these uh, uh, agricultural illustrations to, to, to illustrate the kingdom. He uses farming, and he use, uses uh, all this stuff because like, this is a people that would be very familiar with it. They would be familiar with these things. And so Jesus is like, I want to illustrate it. I want to get it in you. And here's the thing about my garden. I, I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to do my best to get it right. So I got a tiller, and I tilled the land. And I spent a whole year just putting uh, organic compost in it and doing everything I can to try to get the soil right. And I got it where the soil was like, it was like this nice, rich, black soil of just like, yes, there's all kinds of good stuff in there. Like, I'm definitely going to grow something. Like, I'm doing everything I can to get my soil right. And it's like the sun and, and, and the, the shadiness and watering it and all of that. And the seed is in the ground. But you learn real quick that you could do everything right. You could get the right soil. You could get the right seed. You could get the water. You could get the sun. You could do everything but at the end of the day, you can't make that seed grow. If that seed grows, it's a miracle of, like, God has made this seed grow. Yeah, all I've done is provide the conditions. All I've done is created the environment and the atmosphere in which this seed can flourish. But if it grows... It's a miracle of God. Um, a few years ago, quite a few years ago, uh, I lived in Michigan. <laughs> not very long. Not very long. One winter. One winter. It's enough. And some of y'all, my, my brother over there, he lived in Anyway, so I lived in Michigan, uh, and I had a few doctor friends. And we were talking, and one of the doctors, uh, we were just, just, he was talking about his practice and surgery and all these things, and he was telling me, Lucas, you know, as a doctor, this is what we do. Like, if you were to, have, if you were to break your arm or to break your leg or something, we're going to do everything we can uh, to, to try to create an atmosphere in which your body can heal itself. We're going to put that arm in a cast. If it's really bad, we're going to put bolts, and we're going we're to give you medicine. We're going to give you shots. We're going to create everything we can to, to, to help that bone 
go back together and you'll have a, a functioning body again. But here's the thing, we could, we could create this atmosphere, but we can't make that bone fuse back together. Only God can do that. As a matter of fact, you're saying like, all of medicine, every doctor knows that, listen, all we do is create this atmosphere. And it doesn't matter if you're dealing with a broken bone or dealing with cancer. Like all that chemotherapy is doing, all it is is trying to kill something in your body. Let's kill these tumors to help get it back to an atmosphere in which your body can heal itself. And all of it is a miracle. Every seed that's ever planted in the ground, it's a miracle because we could do all the things. But listen, if, if it doesn't, if this thing doesn't happen and it doesn't grow, well, we can't make it happen. And uh, I've learned that this is just true of all of life. As a matter of fact, uh, when it comes to life, I think oftentimes we think that we can control things. <laughs> and the older and older I get, the more and more I realize the less control we have. As a matter of fact, we really don't have any control at all. Actually, control itself is an illusion. Like you think you have some control like, take the oxygen out of this room right now. Like, the very fact that we're breathing a breath of air at this moment is a miracle. The very fact that our, our atmosphere is saturated with 21% oxygen so you could take a breath, so it could enter your lungs, so it could fill it. All of that oxygen can then fill into your bloodstream to cause it where you could have actually brain activity and you just take a breath as if it's nothing that's a miracle just happened. <gasps> miracle. Again. Again. Right? Like birth. This thing, like, we know all of the dynamics of what happens, but like that baby forming in the womb, we could tell you all about the process, but at the end of the day, it is a miracle. It is a miracle. Every bit of it. And like, we, we have no control. We could create the atmosphere we could plant the seed, we could water, we could give it the sun, but like, God, you have got to bring the increase. And Jesus, I think here, I'm going to tell you the story, I'm going to give you this parable, I'm going to talk about the kingdom, but it's not enough just to describe the process. It's not enough for me just to tell you how it works. You actually have to live it, right? So this morning, I want to give you a few things in which uh, I think are key with this, this portion of Scripture and help create an atmosphere in which, man, our lives, in which the Holy Spirit can come in and like really see some, like, where Jesus says life and life more abundant. Does anybody want some of that this morning, a little more abundant? Like, man, it's one thing, like, hey, I'm thankful for the breath, thankful for the oxygen. Lord, I want some more life, some more abundance. So the first thing, the atmosphere in which our seeds can grow. I think the very first one is faith. The scriptures tell us this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not, not, not unlikely, it is impossible to please God without faith. Now, when it comes to this idea of faith, oftentimes, uh, especially in church world, if you've been a part of the church for a long time, there, there could come this underlying notion that you've just got to have a whole bunch of faith to be a Christian. To be a, to a, to be a believer in Jesus, man, you've, you, you've got to have this faith that is just on a, a whole nother level. The problem is that's not what the scriptures teach. Jesus actually says, listen, you can have faith, you just got to have a little bit. 
As a matter of fact, it just can be this, like a mustard seed. It could be the smallest little bit of faith. If you have just a little bit of faith, it could bloom into this big thing that will affect everything, which will cause birds to come and nest in it. Right? Like your faith, like it's just a little bit. Just a small bit can change everything. Just a little bit of faith. It doesn't take much. Um, I have, uh, oftentimes I'll have this kind of thing, uh, some buddies, some friends, they may be uh, atheist, agnostic, um, and we'll get in conversations about God and whether or not uh, God is real. And, and, and I kind of do this thing that's it's, it's amongst friends. I don't know, I wouldn't recommend doing this if you don't know the person. So uh, oftentimes like you say, you know, I, I, just, I just don't understand how you can believe in God and, and, and how, how all of this, and, and I'm just like, bro, I don't understand how you can't believe in God. I mean, the very fact, if you look at all of creation, like creation is here, points to the fact that there is a creator, right? Like this chair that you're sitting in right now points to the fact that it was made in China, right? Because we, like we know we didn't make that here in America. That was made in China, put on a boat, shipped over here, and when you sat down on that chair, you had faith that that chair was going to hold your weight, which is a whole lot of faith because we don't know what's going on over there, right? It's the same thing. But for you to have the faith that this chair just appeared one day, that through a series of evolutionary events, a chair formed, bro, you've got a whole bunch of faith. As a matter of fact, you've got so much faith, man, you are going to be an amazing Christian because it only takes a little bit. It takes a whole lot of faith to believe that there's not a God. So, man, the second that you become a Christian, I'm saying, actually, I want you to pray for me right now because I need some faith like that. And it just throws people all off and they're just like, wait, hold on. I'm not sure. What did you say? I'm like, yeah, because listen, it's just a little bit, just a little bit of faith. I mean, the very fact right now. 96 million miles from the sun, spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, tilted 23 and a half degrees on its axis, and you're not burned up right now? I mean, that's just crazy. Right now, inside your bloodstream is the same amount of saltiness, the same percentage of salt that is in the ocean which is testimony that Jesus lives at the beach. That's pretty much what that means. Like, all of this, like, if the moon wasn't exactly where it was to create the tides, if the sun where it was, like, 94 million miles from the earth, no life on planet earth. 98 million miles from the sun, no life on on planet Earth, all of it perfectly formed and put right here, the moon, the stars, everything. There has to be, like you're telling me, like that's chance, like the creator has made all of these things. And Jesus says, like, listen, it just takes a little bit of faith, just that it would be a possibility. And I think what happens is oftentimes because we've taken breath after breath, we've come to expect oxygen in our lungs, 
We've come to expect babies to be born. We've come to expect the earth to still be spinning, the, spinning the, 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 the sun to rise, to fall. All of these things happen, and we get jaded to the miracle of it all. We get jaded to the fact that, man, when I put this seed in the ground, like something came up from it, and this tree emerged, and now I'm eating the fruit of that seed. Whoa, and inside that fruit contains more seeds that will produce more trees that will produce more fruit. The miracle of it all. And so our faith, I believe, plays out very, very practically. And if we're not careful, we become jaded to it because oftentimes I think when we're looking for Jesus, when we're looking for the, the miracles, we're looking for, man, I'm just looking for my burning bush. I'm, I'm waiting for the booming voice from the sky to tell me what to do. I'm waiting for like the waters at Ocean Isle Beach to just part and there'll be like little whales in it and stuff. I'm just waiting for God to do this. And the truth is, God shows up at the Home Depot. And he shows up at your workplace. And he shows up in the common, the ordinary. And he shows up when all of a sudden you get the phone call from your friend that, hey, I just want to let you know I was thinking about you. Like, you don't know what this call means to me. You don't know what I was going through right now. In all of these moments in which God is moving, and if we're not careful, we'll miss it. See, these folks miss Jesus because, man, they're looking for a Savior. And their idea of a Savior is to come, well, like other people, other saviors from the past, and, and other saviors do this. They ride big horses, and they have these chariots, and they come in, and they conquer Rome. And, and they, they establish this manly kind of kingdom in which man rules and reigns. And, and so, like, if we're going to have a savior, they've got to follow, follow in line with every other savior that's taken us from bad place to a better place. But that's not what they got. What they got was a baby, in a manger. Like, do you see? Like, they, they prayed for the fruit. Like, God, we need a Savior. We need you to come. We need, to, we need to get out of this control. Like, this dude is literally whipping my back right now. We're in slavery. All of these things are happening. God, we need freedom for our people, whatever it may be. And God's like, okay, you want the fruit, but here, I'm going to give you the seed. I'm going to give you the seed. And Jesus came and he didn't ride the big horse, and he didn't come in, and he didn't conquer Rome like everyone expected him to do and overthrow the powers. As a matter of fact, he even said things like, well, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Like, whoa, 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 Jesus, we're not supposed to pay taxes. <laughs> Slow burn, you'll get it later. And, uh, but I imagine, like, like you're, you're looking for a, slave, a savior, and Mary comes along. And now all of a sudden, you just have a mom that carried a baby in her womb for nine months. And she experienced morning sickness. And she knew what it was to take long trips on Joseph's donkey so they could go to Jerusalem time and time again. She knew what it was to, man, I just need to get out of the cold. And you know what? There's no room at the end. She knows what it was like to have everyone else talk about her. She knew what it was for the, the rejection. And see, like everyone was looking for the Savior to come in a certain way, and he came, well, in the form of a seed, as a baby that grew up. 
that for years and years and years, well, actually the first 30 years, we don't really hear much at all. He just grew in wisdom and stature and knowledge and favor with God and man. Man, we, we want the fruit. And God's like, but I've given you the seed. We want the fruit. God's, I've given you the seed. See, our faith plays out very, very practically. Like, we want to, we want to change the world. Pastor, you know, I, like, I, just, I, just, I, just, I think like, like we're, we're going to be out there. We're going we're gonna to change the world for Jesus. And God's like, all right, first we're going to change your attitude. Wait, 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 hold on. No, we're going to do this. We're going to do these great things. We're going, we're going to go to India. We're going to, we're going to save a, a billion people in India. We've got to do this. And like, like, we're going to make change. Like, okay, first change your sheets. Wait, wait hold on. We're going, to, we're going to preach the love and the gospel and the grace, and, and we're going to do it to the ends of the earth. And, and there's a reason why Jesus says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Like there's a pattern in which it forms, in which it goes from the inside to the outside. And to which God's like, that's great. I, I'm glad you want to do all that. But first, how about loving your wife? How about loving your husband? I know you, I know you want to change the world. Let's start with you. Let's start with the man in the mirror. He's taking everything within me to hold back the Michael Jackson song right now. Hold that back. But like, Jesus, hold on, hold on. This whole thing, this faith, and you want to use us, and you, you, you want to put it in us, and, and it's, just, it's just all too practical. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not the way it's supposed to work. You're just supposed to show up. As a matter of fact, this moment in history in which Jesus has told his disciples like, you are going to go and make disciples. You're going to change the world. You're going to baptize them. All of this amazing stuff is going to happen. And you can just imagine the, the feeling of the room of just like, yes, God has given us this calling. He's given us this power. Oh, what are we going to do? It? And he's like, okay, this is what I need you to do. I need you to go over here, and I need you to go wait in this room. Go to the upper room. Just wait there. Wait, hold on. Didn't you just tell us to go and make disciples? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before you do that, I just need you to follow this easy assignment. Just go wait in the room. Listen, Peter, go wait in the room because you're going to try and do all this stuff and you need some Holy Spirit because if you just try to do it in your spirit, you ain't going to get very far. All I need you to do, just wait. Very practical. Just wait. Like, I, th I think sometimes we lose sight of this. I, th I think we're, we're waiting for Jesus to just kind of like snap his fingers and everything magically just happens and everything magically gets better. Like, come on, Jesus, didn't you see Endgame? Didn't you see, come on, snap it, half of the world, we come back. And like, no, 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 Jesus, like, my plan is to use you. My plan is to use you. Which, if we were to be completely honest, like, God, can we get a plan B? Because I know me. I know me, I, and I'm, I, I know that you could do such a better job than I could. But if this is the thing I've learned about the Lord. Like, he loves to get the glory through things that, like, yeah, 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 that doesn't look like any glory could come from that. I'll use that. Man, everything looks hopeless. Everything looks like it's despair. It looks like there's no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, all of those plants on the clearance aisle of Lowe's, yeah, I'm going to give those to John Granger because I'm the God of resurrection. Like, right? I mean, that, that's just the way he works. 
And these things are like we, we would never see. And it's just this, I mean, just put a little bit of faith. You don't have to have giant faith. It just takes a mustard seed. The atmosphere in which we could grow, the first one I believe you can't get around it is faith. You don't have to have a whole bunch of it. You just got to have a little bit of it. The next thing is this. He says, listen, this, this uh, kingdom of God, it's a mustard seed. And you know what? It's planted in the ground. In other words, you could have some faith, but listen, you've got to do something with that faith. It's not enough to just be like, okay, I believe. All right, now you got to do something. Faith without works is dead. Listen, you've got to take your faith and you've got to put it to work. Uh, oftentimes, like, hey, Pastor Lucas, uh, I'm just telling you, I, I, I need a new job, uh, and, and I'm praying for a new job. I'm like, boom, yes, step one complete. The very first thing that we should do, and all of us, we should be going and we should be praying. You, you've got your seed. Now we got to put it in the ground. Well, what you mean? Now you got to go fill out an application. Wait, wait, can't we just pray and I can just get a job? No, no, no. You can fill out an application after you've prayed. There's a pattern here. There's a flow. There's a seed. And now that seed has to be sown into some soil. If that seed doesn't get sown into some soil, that seed remains a seed. It's only when it hits the soil that now we could do something with it. Like, man, you, you, we've got to put this thing into action. Your faith was meant to be worked. Listen, God gives us these seeds. God gives us these talents. He gives us these abilities. It is our gift from him to us. Now, what we do with that gift is our gift back to him. Okay, God, this is the talent. This is the ability. These are the skills. This is what you've put in my life. These, this is the seed that, that, that you've given me. This is how I'm going to plant it. This is how I'm going to put it back. And what produces of that is now my gift back to you. The scriptures tell the story where, where there, there's this parable. And, and a man is going on a trip. And there's these three different service, three different servants. And, and to one, uh, the master of the house gives five talents. To the next one, the master of the house gives two talents. And then to the next one, the master of the house gives one talent, each according to his own ability. Everybody got something. One, five, one, two, one, one. He went off for a trip. The dude with five, man, he invested it. He doubled up. He got ten. The guy with two, he invested. He doubled up. He gave it back four. The guy with one comes back. He shows up. What have you done with what I've given you? Well, listen, master, I knew that you were harsh. I knew that you planted seeds and you reaped some crops even in places where you shouldn't have. So I didn't want to lose it. And so uh, I didn't do nothing with it. Here you go. You can have it back. I didn't steal nothing from you. I didn't, I, I, I didn't try. It's, it's yours. It's yours to have. And to which, what does he say? You wicked, lazy servant. You at least should have put it in the bank. Got me some 0.02% interest. <laughs> give me some. Come on, First Bank. Do better than that. I love you, but come on. At least give me some interest. You just went and you just stuck it on the shelf. All the gifts and all the talents. And, and because why? Because you, you, you thought that like, you, you knew, you knew what kind of master I was. Like, did you think this was going to turn out well? Like, you allowed your life to be run by fear? And so you thought that you could just give back what was good and you could be good enough? You could have not stolen it as long as you give it back, it's okay? No, no, I'm expecting a return on my investment. 
I'm expecting you to do something with what I've got. And the seed that I've given you, the talents that I've placed in your life, are meant to be sowed. The faith that you have is meant to be walked out practically every day. You're supposed to live this Christian walk, to live this life. It is done through works. Um, I remember one time reading this portion of Scripture and thinking to myself, Lord, this is a great story, and obviously I'm not telling you what to do, but you could have told the story a little bit different. And then I began to tell God my idea of how the story I thought should go. I was like, God, you should have, you should have had these three servants. And, and, and the, the, the dude with five could have doubled up, doubled down. Man, great. Everybody loves that guy. I mean, boom, big ROI. But, and, and I get the one. But then the other dude in the middle, like, if I was telling the story of Jesus, I would have made it where he just lost everything. I would have made it where he took the two talents, he went out there, he did his best, but he failed. And so I'm telling this to Jesus, and uh, he's going to speak back to me in a minute. And uh, y'all know how that's going to go. But I'm telling him this because the Lord sees inside of my heart because I'm telling God this because I wish the story would have had that guy in the parable because I feel like that guy. I feel like that guy where, God, sometimes you've given me gifts, you've given me talents. I've stepped out in faith, and it didn't work out. I've tried to take the steps of faith and it feels like I didn't re- give you any return on your investment. God, I feel like I, I, I failed completely. I feel like I tried to get out of the boat, but I just sunk. Like, God, couldn't you have put that in the story? And to which he responded back, like, have you read the story of Peter? <laughs> His entire life, everything he does, it seems like, well, he just keeps failing. And yet the scriptures show us that, listen, it's not about the failing The righteous man could fall seven times. The greatness is in the getting back up. The only time you can fail, Christian, the only time you could fail, child of God, is if you don't try at all. If you don't get back up, just get back up. Because here's the thing. Even when we lose, we win. At the culmination of all things, when everything is brought back together, there's this realization, like, it's already written. It's in there, like, We win. He wins. It's over. Death itself has been defeated. Resurrection has taken place. Like we serve the God who can resurrect the dead. And so even if I die, I win because God, you could do something even in this death. And so my job is to take what you've given me and I plant that seed of faith and I put it in the ground and I work it. And even if I don't return the investment, at the end it still doubles. Because God, that's just the kind of God you are. You take the plants from Lowe's that are about to die and you make beautiful things. Resurrection happens, but we have to work it. Don't fear failure. Fear not even trying. Far better to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure than to rank with those poor souls who neither enjoy much nor suffer much because they live their lives in the gray twilight that knows not victory nor defeat. Theodore Roosevelt. He stood before the people and said, listen, it doesn't matter. You just got to get in the game. You just got to try. It doesn't matter if you've been given five talents or two talents or one talent. It doesn't matter what your seed is, but just plant it in the ground. Get it off the shelf. Like... I tell you right now, 
the Lord has only given me two talents. I'm a two-talent guy. One, I could tell a pretty good story. Two, I have this ability to I can make myself look foolish and not even care. Like, those are my gifts. That's what the Lord has given me, and this is my gift back to him. God, that's all you've given me? It is what I'm giving back to you. I mean, all of us, every one of us, we've been given gifts and we've given talent. It will never, this right here, you will never get this if you just hold on to this. Unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it falls and if it dies and it gets planted, it will produce much fruit because, like, there's some seed in this thing that can produce some more things that will produce some more things that will outlive your life, which brings us to my last point. And so when he plant these seeds in the ground, and it starts off uh, with the seed of faith that could be just the smallest of seeds, and when it's planted and when it's nurtured and when it grows, it grows so big that the birds of the air can come and make its nest in its branches. It gets so big that the birds of the air could come and make its nest in its branches. See, I think this is a beautiful picture of discipleship. Because the seed that we've been given, the talents and the gifts that God have given us, it's never just for you. Your gifts are not supposed to die with you. It's supposed to carry on from generation to generation to generation. And you're supposed to bring other people along with you on the ride. You're supposed to let some birds rest in the shade of your branches. You're supposed to live a life in such a way like right now, I am living underneath the shade of the hard work that my father provided for me. And my kids will live underneath the shade of the hard work that I provide from them and, for, and so on and so forth. And that's the way the kingdom's supposed to work. That my faith, when it's planted and it grows, and it grows into something that's not just about me. And if you think that your gift and your talent and your ability is just for you and it's supposed to make you look good, and it's supposed to give you A, B, C, and D, you're mistaken. Your gifts and your talents are for somebody else. The kingdom of God goes beyond you. The kingdom of God goes beyond all of us, that we are all, we are all just like, have you ever watched a movie and, and the credits roll? And like the credits are always like the most important people at the top. Like, let's get this right. Like, if this was a movie, Jesus' name comes first. You're down there with like assistant to the third grip camera dude that brings the cookies. That's my job. But I'm on the list. I'm in the game. You're in the game. We're doing this thing. And we're supposed to bring people beside us. See, the joy comes when someone else gets to rest in my shade. Joy. Man, there's a joy that comes when all of a sudden someone else gets to rest in my shade. I love Thanksgiving. It is one of my favorite holidays. Because if you come over to my house... I, I'm cooking all 26 pounds of that butterball. It's going to be baked to perfection. But then there's going to be a whole other one that is fried to perfection. And, and we're just going to invite the family over. And we're going to eat that turkey all day long. Because I know I can't eat that turkey by myself. And this Thanksgiving happens when I bring other people in. Whenever I say, you know what, come in, rest in the shade. Come in, make your nest right here. Wear your stretchy pants. It's all good. <laughs> like, I love it. Like, I'm, on a side note, I'm super disappointed that Walmart already has Christmas stuff out. Like, what happened to Thanksgiving? If you want to fulfill your purpose, you've got to let some other people in. 
you've got to let some other people in. I remember hearing a story one time. Andy Stanley tells a story of uh, he was going to meet a judge for lunch. And he goes, he goes back into the judge's chambers. The judge is on the phone, and he has a few of his interns sitting on the couch. While he's out the phone, he just uh, signals to Andy, just hold on one second. While he's there, uh, he, he finishes his phone call, hangs up, looks to the interns, and then says to them, all right, now tell me what you learned from this conversation that we just had. Andy goes out to lunch with him and, and just says, like, man, I just, t- tell me a little bit about what you were doing. Like, I'm just teaching the next generation to do what I'm doing. I'm just letting them follow me. And Andy's just like, that's discipleship. And we as a church, this is what we are supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be bringing other people along with us on the journey. We're supposed to be helping them out, teaching them, letting them walk in our ways. It's what Jesus did with the disciples. It's what we're supposed to be doing. It's this amazing, beautiful picture. Uh, If you've been at the church for any amount of time, I used to always say, like, if you're in here and, and you're older and, and you're not discipling someone younger, you're missing your calling. And, and I still hold to that. I still absolutely believe it 100%. But I've kind of I've come to realize it's not just about being older. That we should be doing this doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. If you're 20, 15, whatever, you should have someone else that you're just pouring into their life. It's not, it's not a certain, okay, you've reached the magic number and now you can disciple someone. No, no, we need to be bringing people along with us every step of the journey. And this is the kingdom of God. When our faith and our works and this discipleship piece come together and we begin to live this life, this is the soil, this is the atmosphere in which miracles happen. This is the point in which it's not just life, it's life more abundant. This is what we long for. This is what we hope for. This is what we pray for. This is what we plant seeds for to see it grow in our lives. But I want to give you a few things before we close. Because there's certain types of soil that your seed will never grow in. That you will never reach and do the thing that God has called you to do. And the first thing is this, is the soil of comparison. If you are constantly comparing your gifts and your, your talents to somebody else's talents, you are never going to thrive. You are never going to understand the kingdom. Because you'll be too, too busy looking at what they got and what you didn't get. You'll be too busy, well, well, well they got that and I want that and, and I need to be like them. And, 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 and. Does anyone remember? Uh, this was, it was real big in the 80s. Those things called slip and slides. It was like this, this cheap little mat that you, you, you put out, maybe, I don't know, 20, 30 feet, and at the end of it was this little, little lagoon puddle thing that had a little bit of water in it. And the commercial was, you run, you slide, you hit the bump and you take a dive. And you tried, and every kid at the party got injured. And it's like the kid that missed the mat completely, and there's like grass stuck in his face, and then there's the parent that thought they were cool, and they broke their arm, and then you tried to jump into the water, and then you, you jumped out, and then somebody just rolled. I mean, it was, it was, it was horrible, right? I, I remember thinking, I was like, comparison is like that slip and slide. You will slide down, and the only pool that you'll land in is a pool that is filled with comparison of envy, of indifference, of strife, of arrogance. That's where it leads when we just live this life of constantly comparing ourselves. The other soil is the soil of fear. I'm asking everyone to please stand up. 
fear will cause you to bury your talents in the ground. And fear often, fear often will manifest itself in the form of excuses. Man, I, I just can't, I can't right now. I can't do that. I'm, 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 just, I'm just too busy. God, I, God I, can't, I, I can't do that. I, I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not old enough. I'm not young enough. I'm not black enough. I'm not white enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. Fear will always become, come before the master of the house and tell him why we couldn't do it. Well, well, God, actually, it's your fault. Actually, I know this is what you've given me, but the truth is it's, it's your fault. We have an excuse for everything. And the truth is you can make an excuse or you can make a difference, but you can't make both. And you have got to put a line in the sand that says it's going to be one or the other. I'm either going to make excuses or I'm going to make a difference in this world, but I can't make both. And oftentimes our excuses are rooted in fear. And I don't know about you, but I want to be one that, listen, whenever I see the Lord, Lord, bid me come out and I want to start walking on the water. God, I don't want to live my life in fear. I don't want to get to the end of my days, be laying in that that bed or whatever and just think, I could have done that. I, I wish I would have given it a try. I wish I would have given it a shot. But fear left my talent. Fear left my seed sitting on a shelf. Because of fear, God, I didn't do it. I didn't get out of the boat. I lived my life in the comfort of the canoe with excuse after excuse of why I couldn't. But God, Jesus, if that's you, just bid me come. And Peter gets out the boat and just starts walking on some water. I think everybody focuses on the fact that he started to sink. Oh, Lord. I mean, I don't know about you. I would love to at least just take a few steps on the water. I don't care if I sink a little bit down the road because I got to walk on some water. I'm going to tell that story. Yeah, I might have sunk down, but I win in the end. Resurrection happens. The grave is empty. Come on, somebody. But you've got to take it. It doesn't matter if it's just a little bit. Just a mustard seed of faith. And plant it in the ground. And say, God, I could provide all of the right things. But God, you've got to make it grow. You've got to make this bone fuse back together. You've got to make this seed turn into this fruit so that I could produce other fruits that we could feed a nation, that we could bring a lost and dying world to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask everyone to bow their head, to close their eyes. I'm going to pray two prayers this morning. The first, the first is if we're in here this morning and you're one, we're one, that we've just... Uh, Maybe, maybe we've just become blinded to the miracle of it all. To the absolute grace and mercy of his great love. Of what he's provided for us on the cross. And, and we've taken our gifts, we've taken our seed, we've taken our talent. And it's just been sitting dormant on the shelf. For some of us, maybe it's been few months. For some of us, maybe it's been a few years. For some of us, maybe it's been 
few decades. And this morning, God's calling us out the boat. He said, you don't have to have much faith, just mustard seed faith. And I could grow something big, so big that some birds will come and rest in your shade. It could outlive you. And so God, we repent. Lord, we come to you in faith. That God, you are who you say you are. That in you we live and breathe and move and have our very being. And God, we are just so grateful. Thank you for your great love for us. May we be your hands, your feet. God, that you would bring resurrection out of this body. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you would like to explore more resources just like this, take a moment and download the Coastal Church app. Also, if you would like to give financially to support the ministry here at Coastal, go to mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. God bless and have a wonderful week.